Because when you're fi, every day is the weekend. Welcome to your Friday Roundup. You're listening to Choose FI Radio. The blueprint for financial independence lives here. If you're looking to unlock the secrets to financial independence and early retirement, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and join a community of like-minded people who are getting off the hamster wheel and taking control of their lives in the pursuit of financial independence. Choose FI, your home for financial independence online. All right, guys, you made it to the weekend. Congratulations. This is your Friday Roundup. And as usual, I have Brad in the studio here with me today. How you doing, buddy? I am doing quite well. Yeah, life is good. What's going on by you? Well, let's see. Uh, work is getting hectic, extremely hectic, but we always try to find time to talk about financial independence. And so this is what I live for, and I'm, I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. So let's go ahead and hop right in and talk about this past week's episode with Physician on Fire. It was a very powerful episode. I think it spoke to a different audience than Jacob from Early Retirement Extreme would have. But I think there's value there to address this different framework, which many people find themselves in. The high-income professional, and in the case of the medical student, the high-income professional that's getting their first real job at the age of 32, 34, 40 years old. What did you think, Brad? Yeah, I thought the episode with Physician on Fire was was a quality one for sure. He's a real good guy, and uh, so certainly good to get to meet him. And I think that perspective is important. And I know we've received a lot of emails from people who have significant incomes and they hear about a lot of the hacks that we're talking about and the different five strategies. And a lot of them are geared for people making, let's say, I don't know, 100,000 or 150,000 or less, which, you know, is still a a nice amount of money, obviously, but but it's a different ballgame from someone making 300 or or more. So I think it's it's very important. I, I still I'm not sure that that we have that perfect aha answer because it might not exist, right? And because these people are dealing with such high tax brackets that in a perfect world, you'd put away a ton of money into as many tax deferred accounts as you can. And I think that's what POF's answer was. But the reality, and I want to say, you know, jokingly, the sad reality is they just make so much stinking money that it's hard to defer that many things or, or that high of a percentage of, of their overall income. So I think some people, I know a buddy of mine wrote me an email, said he, he loved the episode, but he's still wanting more. And I think at this point, my answer is I'm not sure that there's that perfect answer for you. What are your thoughts, Jonathan? I'm trying to think how many different scenarios do we really need to flesh out before we've optimized it for everybody. And I I think there are some, there's a very different story for very different brackets. You have your, essentially your low income, which is like your 30,000 and below. That's maybe one particular range. And then you have your middle-class income, you know, 50 to a hundred thousand, somewhere in there. And they've got a very obvious set of tools that they can use. And then you have this other bracket that's kind of in the 75 to 200. And if they make these right choices, if they use enough of the deferred income, then they're actually able to take advantage of these other tools that become available because they're, they're able to move their AGI down and these other tools become available to them. And then you have the income bracket that essentially we're talking about today, the 200,000 plus, 300,000 plus. It's all, it blows it all up. I mean, it just completely blows it all up and they ha- and there's nothing they can do to make those other tools available to them. They have to work within their specific framework. And so I think that over the next several years, there's a good chance because of the way that our show rolls and the continuity that we provide, we'll be able to provide a pretty streamlined path for those maybe five, six, seven or eight different scenarios. But that's kind of like my overarching view. And you you can only really focus on one at a time. If you try to knock out two or three or too many all at once, you just get lost. So the one that we didn't cover in those four different scenarios is how all of that changes uh, when it's your own business. And so you almost need a completely separate different framework for when you're building your own business on the side because you have way more control over the tax code. Yeah. And I think speaking of that, one of one of the most important quotes that I think POF said was a dollar saved is two dollars earned. 
at the 50% tax bracket. And I just thought that was absolutely brilliant and, and is a really good way of looking at the problem. And, you know, I, I kind of keep saying that sarcastically, like the problem of making so much money that you get taxed so much. So I think it still comes down to saving as much money as you can, right? And the people who are earning 300 plus thousand have, even though they're paying a lot in taxes, they have a lot of, of margin there to save just a boatload of money and get to FI like POF did in, in 10 years, right? Or less potentially. So it still comes down to living a frugal lifestyle and whatever that means to you. You know, to him, it's very different than what Pete at Mr. Money Mustache does with his, you know, $25,000 spending a year. And that's fine. We all, like we always say, this is personal preference. We're not here to dictate to you. There's no, there's no one way to do this right. You need to make value judgments for yourself and what works for your life. So I think that's like really crucial to remember is like there's no perfect path. There's no right path. It's what's right for you and your family. And that kind of ties into where he was saying he was interviewed on the White Coat Investor podcast. And the White Coat Investor said, doesn't your spouse deserve a really great lifestyle? And POS response was perfect. And he said, well, yes, and she'll have one but she deserves my time. And that, again, is, is that's what it's all about. It's all about just being there for your family, being there for your spouse, for your kids, for whoever's in your life. And FI affords you that opportunity. So is a really great lifestyle buying a BMW or buying an expensive house or buying Maine lobsters and Kobe beef? You know, maybe, maybe it's good for some people, but, but to me, it's about time and that that's where it all comes back to. So, so yeah, those two quotes were what really stuck out to me from, from this episode in particular. You know, I really liked when you were talking to him specifically about how the savings calculators that you have online or not the savings, the retirement calculators that you have online, how inaccurate they are for the FI community. And when I was thinking about that later on this week, as I was re-listening to the episode, I was thinking that in the FI community, the first half of it is that we focus on savings rate. The savings rate is critical because uh, it allows you to get to FI. But then once you're at FI, you don't really care about your savings rate. And instead, now you're focused on your spending and your spending is what is incredibly powerful because when Physician on Fire says, I have $70,000 to $100,000 of spending available, that goes so far. That is different than income. When you have income, you have to then take off all the line items for your taxes. You have to take off all the line items for your bills, You know your, your mortgage, your car payments, your student loan debt. He has 70 grand that he can just spend and, and it goes so much farther. Yeah. You can live like a king on 70 to a hundred thousand dollars of actual expenses. And, and yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that, Jonathan, because I feel very passionately about certain things and I kind of chew your ear off sometimes. And, and one of those things is those retirement calculators. I've thought of this for years. It's, it's just like a fundamental flaw. So I hope if someone out there listening to this works for Fidelity or any of those companies, I hate to keep picking on Fidelity, but that's the one I always use, works for any of these companies that make these retirement calculators. Your entire premise is flawed. It's, it's ridiculous. It has nothing to do with your current income. That is not what is the basis of your retirement funds. It has nothing to do with it because there, is, there has to, by definition, in order to save the millions that these people are talking about needing, according to the, these fundamentally flawed calculators, you have to have savings and a huge, huge amount of savings in your current income. Plus, you're obviously paying taxes. And because we're looking at this through the phi lens, it's obvious to us. But this is not obvious to anyone else. It is not because these calculators continue to exist in their flawed manner. So it is absurd, in my opinion, to look at, OK, my current income is 100000 I need X number of multiples of that in order to retire. That has nothing to do with it. It has to do with your expenses, like we always talk about. And as you know, Jonathan said on a, a previous podcast, we're considering just for back of the envelope ease that you're at five when you have 25 times your annual expenses saved up. Now we can always talk about safe withdrawal rates. And I think, you know, I know for my own life, I wouldn't up and retire at 25 times expenses, I would probably be a little more conservative and, you know, we can, we can argue about that at the margins, but again, it's that starting point of expenses. That's the crucial point. So one of the things I'm really interested in, Brad, is just focusing on this, this young medical professional. So in my mind, I I'm visualizing the 
24-year-old that is, you know, either starting med school or in the middle of med school. They've got um, maybe eight more years ahead of them before they're really out and practicing, maybe now as an attending. Uh, They're coming out of school somewhere in between the age of 30 years old to maybe, you know, if they're non-traditional, as old as 40 years old. And they're going to be making, in a perfect world, $300,000 plus a year, which is going to put them in a pretty high marginal tax bracket. Uh, They're also going to have a fairly significant, I would imagine, $300,000 plus uh, in student loans. I know I've seen some numbers as high as $600,000 or higher in some really tragic stories, but $300,000 is very common for a medical student. What thoughts do you have when I present that scenario to you? You know, obviously a lot of opportunities that they have, but also a very unique set of challenges as well. What, What comes to mind in terms of general advice that maybe you would want to pass on to them? Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with what POF said about avoiding that just absolute blow up in spending where you go and you have all this repressed, delayed gratification of not spending and quote unquote living like a resident for many, many years. And then people go crazy. In addition to their 300K in student loans, they go buy a big house and expensive cars and Jonathan's golf membership that he's always joking about. And I think just like always, even for highly compensated people, the expenses are what drives everything. If you lock yourself into a five-year, $70,000 car payment and a 30-year mortgage that's for a million-dollar house or three-quarter of a million-dollar house, those are not decisions that can be unwound very easily. Like POF said, if you're going to splurge, go on a nice vacation. You know, I don't care if you go to Tahiti and, and stay in one of those bungalows that are over the water. Like, that might cost you, what, 10 grand, something like that. You know, while I still think that's that's a little bit much because you could use travel rewards points for it. Like, you <laughs> know, nice. that's that's the way my mind always works. But but I mean, it's 10 grand at the end of the day. That's not going to that's not a long term game killer. But it's just don't go crazy and don't subject yourself to years or decades of of high payments just because, oh, I'm a doctor and I deserve it. If you have that goal in mind, if you have fine in mind, keep those fixed expenses down as much as you possibly can and splurge at the margin, splurge on meals from now time to time, splurge on a vacation. That's that kind of stuff is fine, but just don't lock yourself in. Yeah, I love that. And I also think you have these incredible advantages with this high income. What a waste for you to be working until you're 70 paycheck to paycheck. You had this incredible hammer that you could just destroy your debt with if you needed to. Do something about that. Don't let that thing be an anchor around your lifestyle for the next 20 or 30 years. I'm not telling you that you need to live ERE lifestyle. You do not need to live on 20 or $30,000 a year. I, I get it. You've been delaying the gratification. You heard that in the episode. I have so much sympathy for the amount of work that you have to do and essentially the gauntlet you that you have to run to be in the position that you are in your 30s. But now you're on the other side and you've got this incredible salary that you can knock out your student loans with, but you've also got a really high marginal tax bracket. And so you can make a lot of really small bad decisions and stumble into financial independence. But a couple of big bad decisions will lock you into a lifestyle, like Brad said, that you may not, you may find that you don't like 10, 15 years from now. So I don't even think you necessarily need to live like a resident in order to pay off your student loans. Your income is so high that you could easily have an $80,000 salary and still really put a major dent in your student loans within four or five years. But you don't necessarily have to go to a $300,000 lifestyle. Uh, Figure out how to find the balance that gives you the most happiness. I mean, you guys are 34 years old. You've been delaying this whole time. I get that. But take advantage of a few of the other life hacks that POF mentioned. One of the things that came to mind to me was there's an intense pressure from your colleagues, especially in big metropolitan cities, to be have a certain lifestyle. I've seen it. I understand it. And if you're trying to do that while paying down your student loans, you will never be able to catch up. Maybe you can, but it is going to be a long, drawn-out process. If you can avoid that peer pressure, either on your own, just recognizing that it's there and coming up with another plan for it, or you can take what POF said, and I love this, be the big fish in the small pond. Go move into your middle-class neighborhood uh, where you don't feel the pressure to keep up with everybody around you. Maybe you go to the Midwestern town that he described, you don't feel the pressure to buy the the sixty or $70,000 car. Increase your lifestyle, but don't sacrifice your future for it. Yeah, and I think that geographic arbitrage just within the U.S. is something that's important. I know we've had a lot of people mention that in the Facebook group, right, Jonathan, about about geographic arbitrage in the U.S. as a topic of conversation for the future. You know, we're not prepared to fully discuss what are the top 10 cities in America to live in or small towns. That's not where I'm going with this. But but I think this 
is something we'd love feedback from the community. So if you have, and it doesn't have to be of a medical profession, it could just be in general, like where do you live and what's the cost of living there? Is it a fun place to live? I know like Richmond, I, as I've said many times, I'm from, I'm from Long Island, New York. I'm from, you know, the suburbs of, of New York city. Like I'm not born and bred in Richmond, Virginia, but, but I love this place. I mean, Laura and I talk, we wouldn't move back even if we had $20 million. It's, it's not about money anymore. Whereas, you know, it was when we moved down here, this truly was a geographic arbitrage decision to move to Richmond for us. It was, we could not have the life that we wanted on Long Island, but we could in Richmond. And that really drove the decision. But now I know this is, this is a really vibrant place. I mean, it's, I read articles constantly about how the, the beer scene here is the craft brewery scene and, and the local restaurants. I mean, they're really getting on the map in terms of just the East Coast, certainly, if not the U.S. And Richmond for a long time was this little place that nobody really kind of cared about, honestly. And it's growing up. So I know personally, like I would put Richmond as as a really great place to live. It's very inexpensive. But but Richmond is one of probably hundreds of places that, that people would mention. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know I'd be interested in hearing some of your options for geographic arbitrage in the U.S. So as always, please send us email to feedback at chooseify.com or now we have our nice Facebook group, which is even easier. One of the things that I loved, and we really hit on it at the end of the episode, was this idea of a donor-advised fund. In the FI community, we constantly look for ways to optimize everything. And all of us, at some point, do some sort of charitable giving. If you go to church, in many cases, it's a tithe. In many other cases, just philanthropy or, or causes that you really believe in. And most of us just write a check, right? And just and send it in every month or every week or however you end up doing that. But there's really no thought to how to optimize it in any sort of very clever, tax-advantaged way. And he has taken it to the next level. Now, this obviously preceded him, but he, I think he's really figured something out. And I think there's room to explore this concept as something that people in the FI community can use as they're looking for a more optimized way of doing their charitable giving. Yeah, this is really cool. And uh, I had actually heard of this donor advised fund previously from an article that Liz at Frugalwoods posted. So I know, Jonathan, you had said in the episode that that this is the first time you were hearing about it. I, I think some people in the FI community are doing this, which is just really incredibly impressive. First, that POF is, is giving 50% of the profits from his website. I mean, that's impressive in and of itself. And B, this is just such a cool hack on how to give more efficiently. So as I understand it, you're allowed to donate appreciation stock and you get the full donation for the fair market value of it, but you don't actually have to sell it and incur a taxable event. Like normally, as, as I would have understood it before I, I knew anything about these, let's say I had $30,000 worth of stock that I, or mutual funds or whatever, that I bought for $20,000. I would have figured that I would have had to have sold it and that would have been a $10,000 capital gain, right? The difference between the fair market value of 30,000 and the basis of 20,000 that I bought it for. So I'd have to pay taxes on that. Then I'd, you know, I'd have my 30 grand and then I could make whatever donation I wanted. But the cool thing about this is that it enables you to just give that $30,000 of stock. There's no taxable event. So it's just so much more efficient. What a cool way of doing this if you're going to donate to charity anyway, right? Yeah, absolutely. And in the FI community, we want to do everything in an optimized way. Why would you just ignore such a major aspect of your financial life, like your charitable donations? It, it seems silly to me, but I'll be honest, up until this episode, I had never considered doing anything or even researching a better way of doing it. So I, I love this. I loved everything about it. Yeah, agreed. And and I will link to the Frugal Woods article. I think Liz mentions there's four advantages to utilizing a donor advised fund that she describes specifically. And I, I think it'll be very valuable for people to read. Okay. And then there's one other thing that I thought was really cool. He was the first one to talk to us on this show about the backdoor Roth. And that is a very cool idea. It is one that we are going to really explore in a future episode, but I, so I won't go super far into it today. But what's really interesting for this particular framework, the high income professional, these people are making 250, 300,000, 400, 500,000 plus. What's great about this is they don't have to choose which one of the buckets that they use. Obviously, they're going to throw as much as they can in the tax deferred. If they have access to an HSA, they're going to use that. If they have a 457, they can fill up that. So they, they've already filled up all their tax deferred and they have plenty left to go ahead and invest in taxable funds, 
for them, there's absolutely no downside to go ahead and take advantage of this backdoor Roth. And it's it's a tax diversity play. So I know there's a lot of controversy out there about when it comes down to the wire and you have to pick between putting $5,000 in a Roth versus $5,000 in taxable, what should you do? And I think there's a lot of value there. And if you listen to our episode 18 and 18R, when we talk about capital gains harvesting, I think we kind of explore that idea a little bit. And that's a great conversation to have. But for the high income professional, there's really no downside to go ahead and do both because they can. Why why not go ahead and take advantage of the backdoor Roth? And then if the capital gains laws change down the road and they raise the rate or change something else about it, they have this play. And then the Roth, which we'll explore more, has some additional features, especially when you look at doing a inheritance for your kids. There's some really cool features about the Roth that are worth exploring. So I like that he got a chance to really talk a little bit about the backdoor Roth with us. Yeah, that's cool. And I know you, Jonathan, have been doing a lot of research on this. I I frankly don't know all that much about it, so I'm not going to expose my ignorance here, but uh, I, I'm excited to learn more about it as as we go through it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we talked about those different scenarios. I think at some point, me and you will be forced to come to the conclusion that there's maybe six to eight different scenarios that are very distinct and you and everybody that's listening will find themselves identifying with one of those different scenarios and then being able to model it to their own purposes. The backdoor Roth, people are going to be very interested in that once they're in that, I think probably I want to say 150 to 200,000 range and then higher, uh, that really starts to look more attractive as, as an option. Cool. All right, guys, let's go ahead and take a pivot here and just take a few minutes to highlight what's going on in the FI community this week. Brad, where should we start? All right. I think the first place to start is Cam Mustache. So last week on the Roundup, we kind of alluded to the potential of a second event. Uh, and Stephen, the organizer, has made it official. So if you go to choosefi.com forward slash camp, C-A-M-P, that'll just take you to the registration page. Figured that was a nice, easy shortcut. And this is going to be in the same location as last year. So it's it's basically the outskirts of Gainesville, Florida. And as of today, when we're recording this, there's still 30 tickets left. So when you're hearing this, there should be somewhere in that vicinity left. So if you're interested in joining us, we'd love to see you there. I know Stephen said he can announce that Carl from 1500 Days will be there and Doug Nordman from The Military Guide, as well as our very own Keith, the wealthy accountant. So that's a real star-studded lineup. And, you know, more so than quote-unquote famous bloggers, it's the community. They're going to be 40 to 60 people in the FI community, people in the Mustachian community who are there. And it's just such a cool weekend to get to spend time with people of, you know, the same mindset. Because realistically, we can't find that many of these people in our own real lives. They, I, if I could speak for people out there, I know from my own life for the last handful of years, it's hard to find people who are into this. And it's it's so empowering and exciting to be at an event like this. I know, Jonathan, you went to your first one a couple of months ago, right? So this last Camp Mustache was my first official FI event. And you're right. Yeah, it feels like home. You are not hiding this part of yourself that really thinks that excessive spending is just dumb, especially when you're you're financing it with debt. And when you go and meet somebody for the first time, especially in the United States, a lot of times the first question you ask is, what do you do? Right. It's just a go to default question because your identity is your job. But in the fight community, frankly, most of the time we could care less. Right. That that almost that question is almost an afterthought that comes up two hours later. Uh, oh, by the way, what do you do? But it's just not our focus. You're actually able to engage people about what you have in common. You know, what have you already tried? Where, where have you failed? Where do you succeed? What are your frugal wins? What are your life hacks? What are your fi hacks? And then you're able to share all these different ideas and then they're able to round them out. And then you just come away feeling encouraged. Uh, you come away with new information. You come away feeling motivated, which then allows you to hit your fi goal faster. So it's just a win. and it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, at that event, nobody cares what you do for a living. Nobody cares, honestly, how much money you have in, in your FI pod, as, as you've talked about, Jonathan, right? It's, it's not, there's no competition. It's just about getting together with people who are similar to you and just enjoying a weekend and enjoying each other's company. And it's just, it's very unique. So I would highly recommend it. And yeah, again, choosefi.com forward slash camp. And that sense of community, we are trying to foster the same idea, that that same idea of sharing ideas and learning from each other's ideas uh, on our Facebook group, which we just started, I think, what now, one week ago? And it is blowing up. Yeah, we have, I think, 500 members as of today, or we're very nearly at 500. And 
numbers aside, it's just really vibrant. I mean, I think Jonathan asked a question Monday night on what kind of topics do you want to see on the show? And when I woke up this morning, there were 80 comments on that one post, which is just crazy talk. So people are engaged. There are many, many threads and comments and questions just popping up every every hour. I personally can't even keep up with it, Jonathan. I don't know about you, but but it's fun. And it's really a community. And I think that is what we are all about here at Chooseify. I hope everybody really understands that we are excited about this. That's why we're constantly kind of almost cheerleading for the Fi community and for Chooseify, the podcast. It's not that we think we're great or we're doing anything that's revolutionary. We think we are bringing this community together and getting people excited about this. And again, bringing people in, bringing in comments from the community. And I think that sense of community has really extended to the Facebook group better than we could have ever guessed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're on that Facebook group, you are the show. I mean, that that is that is more and more as we move past the basics of FI and we move into other stuff. Brad and I had a great baseline of, of knowledge in FI just from loving it, soaking it up, spending time reading blogs nonstop. You don't just know the stuff. You're not born with this information. You have to have a love of learning and you capture these ideas and you talk about them and you turn them into conversations. But at some point, just like all of us, you come to the end of your own baseline of knowledge. And then from there, you have to decide, am I done or do I want to know more? And Brad and I both said, we want to know more. We want to know all the things that we don't know. And we just don't know what we don't know, right? So the Facebook group gives us a way to get these ideas and then bring them to life and bring your input in. And it's so valuable. The show wouldn't exist long term without this Facebook group. It's it's absolutely that valuable. Yeah. And the easiest way to join is just to go to choosefi.com forward slash Facebook and just real quick, you put in your email address, we'll send you an email with the link to the private group and, and you're in. So yeah, definitely please join us. It's a really vibrant place and uh, we'd love to see you there. Guys, I know that talking about this to a total stranger can be daunting and seem like a very awkward conversation, but you need to understand at the heart of this is a concept, is an idea that's so powerful. It has the ability to transform someone's life if they hear about it, if it's presented in the right way. And we say the fire is spreading more and more. I think that this idea is, is at the verge, not because of anything that Brad and I have done, but because it's time. This idea has been simmering in the minds of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who got to the end of the Dave Ramsey steps and said, you know what? There's got to be more to this than just being debt free. There's got to be more to this picture. And they've been collating and researching and sharing ideas. And right now we're at the, we're at the beginning of something. And this idea is spreading. The fire is spreading. And I have some very exciting news uh, that I'm going to set Brad up to tell you. Go for it, Brad. Yeah, we got a really great voicemail yesterday from a guy named Scott Rickens. And he said that he is actually spending a year of his life putting together a documentary on the Phi community and on Phi in general. And this just absolutely blew our minds. Uh, Jonathan got the, the email notification and sent me a text immediately. He said, drop everything and check this voicemail. It's going to just blow your head up. And it was really pretty amazing. And I actually got on the phone with Scott and spoke with him for over an hour today. And man, it's just such a cool project that he's putting together. It's, it's in its infancy now. So, you know, we're still many months, if not over a year away from the, the finished product. But he has a really cool vision for this. And he feels that the fire is spreading too. And actually he didn't know anything about the Fi community before about four or five months ago when he heard Pete from Mr. Money Mustache on the Tim Ferriss podcast. And it just kind of blew his mind and he dove deep into this. He read every article on Mr. Money Mustache, went to Jim Collins and he, he told me he bought 10 copies of The Simple Path to Wealth and sent them to 10 of his friends and read every blog he could. And he just feels like we do that this is on the verge of a breakthrough in the, the public consciousness. And the growth of Chooseify really has nothing to do with us per se. It's just that we've hit on a way to bring in people who otherwise aren't affiliated with Mr. Money Mustache or the Mad Scientist or, or don't know anything about Fi. I think people here two regular guys and people from all across America sending in voicemails and emails to choose a pie. And they hear that and I say, wow, that, that sounds very realistic. This is not 
some deprivation. It's just regular middle-class life, just a little bit smarter. So, you know, again, we don't think we're doing anything special here. We don't pat ourselves on the back. We're not thinking we're great. It's just that this community is great. And it's just neat to see someone like Scott see that and decide that the Phi community is something that people on a larger scale need to find out about. And what's cool actually is during my conversation with Scott, he echoed something that almost verbatim what my buddy Matt, who I actually had a conversation with about Phi this past weekend, this is yet another person in my real life who has listened to the podcast, knew nothing about Phi, but he's like all in now. And he said that he had his wife listen to our Pillars of Phi episode, which is episode 21. And Scott echoed this as well, that both their wives listened to this episode and were hooked almost instantly. And they were telling their friends about it and convincing their friends. I mean, just from listening to this one episode, because it just sounds relatable. I think that's the crucial point. I think we're at this inflection point and we need you as a community to stay involved and to keep this thing going. That's, that is what it's all about. You are the lifeblood of Choose FI and the FI community. It's not about bloggers. It's not about podcasters. You know, we're just regular people. It's, it's all of us together are creating this community. And, and it really is at that point where where this can go pretty mainstream, I think. And I know it's catching on, Brad, because I saw your mom on the Facebook group. Hi, mom. <laughs> oh, hi, mom. She's uh, definitely listening. She's very cute. She uh, <laughs> Pursuing Phi. I love it. I love it. <laughs> pursuing I'm... Phi 10 years after she's retired. So no, she's, <laughs> she's wonderful. She's listened to every episode. And even though I made fun of her a handful of times, she uh, took it very good naturedly because I think I'm nicer on the podcast than I am in real life. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and uh, frugal win there. I saw your frugal win, mom. Well, well done with the grill handle. Very impressive. Yeah, yeah. And and she's like the handiest person in the entire world. So I don't know what the heck she was talking about. She said she was going to throw out her grill, but then she figured out how to replace the grill handle. And my first thought was like, what the heck are you talking about? She's the handiest person in her family. Like I figured she would have just fixed it. So regardless. Well, <laughs> well the fire is spreading even in your yep. family. So it well. is indeed. So, yep. Very <laughs> well, well done nonetheless. <laughs> Okay, so in terms of feedback from the audience, I want to give a shout out to Mark, who goes by the moniker Pastor Phi. Moniker is a word I just learned in this past episode from POF that I love, and I think I'm going to continue to use it going forward. <laughs> so Mark has a college hack for us, and this is on his radar as his eldest child is 15 years old and college looms on the horizon for his four kids. Here's the hack. He has a buddy who is independently wealthy. His son is going to college in Flagstaff, Arizona. He doesn't know what college uh, he says his buddy is looking at the cost of dorm living on campus and is shocked by how much it'll cost him for his son to stay on campus for four years. So his buddy heads over to Flagstaff and gets a real estate agent and looks for a three-bedroom condo or a small house. He finds the condo and he buys it. He says to his son, you're the property manager. Get two people, one person for each room or four. They end up getting bunk beds. I'm not going to comment on laws and how many people you can have a house. I'm not really sure in this particular case. But anyways, he gets several people to rent out those other beds. The son got the master bedroom. Uh, well, the son quickly found four of his new best friends and they all moved in. Rent from the other four students more than paid the mortgage and the property tax. And the buddy's son ended up living just off campus for four years for free. After he graduated, his buddy sold the condo for a profit. So Pastor Fi's takeaway, most people are swamped by the high cost of housing a college student in a dorm room on campus. But in this case, his buddy saw an opportunity for massive savings. And where others are scratching their heads trying to figure out how they're going to pay for it, his son is living for free. And that is a FI hack right there. That is a simple way of looking at a problem and then seeing an opportunity and capitalizing on it. So uh, Pastor FI, thanks for sharing that with us. That was awesome. And he says, I'm definitely going to be using this or planning on using this for my kids in college. How cool is that, Brad? Yeah, I really like that. It's definitely a house hacking thing a la Coach Carson, how he mentioned on our episode. And I know when we've talked about college before, especially in light of Paul's case study that we did, I know I was a little incredulous about, can you do college for, let's say, $40,000? I figure what the exact number is, 32000 something like that. And you know, my exact thought was, wow, I mean, room and board at most schools costs eight to $12,000 a year. So if there is any way to cut that down, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we can hack college tuition. And I know a lot of smart people like you, Jonathan, and, and Sun Wu, and, and people who have been researching this know better than I. But for me, that last concern has always been this room and board. So man, if you can save a significant amount of money doing a hack like this, this is fantastic. I love it. You know, I love that you're giving me credit for this, but I'll be honest, I just 
I think I just dream these ideas into existence because I believe it's possible. Now I just go ahead and try and find people that can confirm it. And then I just learn from them. So Sun Wu blew my mind. Edmund continues to blow my mind. I just believe that there is a smarter way and I just don't know it. And so then my thing is, let me go find it. Can I find it? And then figure out if I can turn it into a conversation, that means that I can understand it. And if I can understand it enough to relay it to somebody else, I can own it and use it myself. That that is that's what I'm striving for when I'm looking for these ideas that I believe in initially and then I'm trying to turn them into reality. Yeah, that's cool, man. I you know, obviously you know I was skeptical about this about college, and I think it was just my own ignorance. So just like anything in life, you need to learn. You need to do your research. You need to find smart people around you. And and yeah, sorry for leaving out Edmund, who is, uh, as we've discussed, is like the highest level fi hacker around. And you find smart people, you learn from them, you research, you ask questions. That's, that's what life is all about. So I am not one of those people who's ever set in my ways. And and yeah, I mean, I think I think this is really doable. So I, I just love learning more. So let's go ahead and talk about a little bit of controversy. You ready for this? Let's do it. I have no idea where you're going with this. <laughs> All right. So last week we played that clip talking about how maybe there's some room there for permanent life insurance to be a good vehicle. And honestly, I think that in the FI community, and I'm one of them, the sacred cow is there's only one good insurance and that's term insurance. And for us to even have the nerve to mention any other vehicle on the show was enough to wake some people up and, and find out you know exactly what they thought about that vehicle. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, even a week later, I love that we played it because I think it is incredibly important to challenge your belief systems in the context of you don't know what you don't know until you do. I think we stress this. I want to stress it again. That show was not a pitch for permanent life insurance, but just by sticking that needle out there and needling belief systems, Brad, how many emails do we get about the value or the negatives of the 529 that honestly we wouldn't have gotten if it had just been agreeing with everybody else? Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, we got probably a dozen emails or certainly comments on the Facebook group. And and I've got to be honest, like that playing that that bit from Mark at Student Loan Freedom, I was a little sketched out by it because maybe I wasn't ready to open my mind up. And and that's never a good place to be. I am one of those true believers in in term life insurance. But but the one thing that was sticking in the back of my mind was that was that Edmund, who we constantly talk about, had tried to explain this to me about six months ago, how he found what he thought was the secret with with this type of life insurance. And Edmund's a smart guy, obviously, and I have not had the time to research this, but just knowing that he does it and then hearing Mark mention it, that that was enough that I thought there's some legitimacy to that. But you know what, honestly, even if it boils down to this is absolute BS and it's a terrible decision, I agree with you that it's worth that conversation. So that was not us tacitly approving this by putting it on the show. You know, we're not going to put whack jobs on the show. I mean, that, so don't think that we're not going to put wild opinions or anything like that. Mark is a real smart guy and he knows a lot about student loans. He may be right. He may be wrong about this permanent life insurance thing as it pertains to the FI community. But but that's neither here nor there at this point. It's it's getting that discussion going. So I think that was really important. And yeah, the cool thing is that that we have the ability to go back and address things and, and talk about it multiple times as as the information changes and as we get more advice and feedback from the community. I mean, this is not as I always say, this is not us dictating to you from on high. That's not what this is about. This has nothing to do with Jonathan and Brad. It's the community. So we need to get these discussions started, even if it does kind of upset these sacred cows, even for me, like term life. You know, I, I would never think of going against that. But you know what? A smart person has to open their mind. And I think that's what we did here. So I, I hope even the people who are vehemently opposed to this can at least appreciate that point of view. And I think that's a great segue into us go ahead and addressing something that we did a couple of weeks ago where we introduced the idea of using your employee stock purchase plan to get up to an additional $2,500 in money from your employer. That frankly was something that I, I had never considered. I had access to it, but I had never considered using it. And we fleshed out this idea with Ken from the option to sell. And it was really a unique way of looking at a problem. And I think it, it had a pretty big impact on our community. I know many of you actually went to your employer to see whether or not that was going to be a viable option for you. So I think there was real value to putting it out there. But uh, now a couple weeks later, I do have some additional input and some feedback that came through and I wanted to go ahead and read this. All right. So this is from Olaf and Olaf says, hi guys, I looked up the ESPP tax treatment after you discussed it. Now I do not have an ESPP available and there may be multiple varieties, but this is what I found and I think it needs to be clarified. Using the example on the show, the 10% discount received on the purchase is treated as 
taxable income compensation. Therefore, the $2,500 total discount is $2,500 that you would have to pay tax on without actually receiving the funds if you didn't sell the stock. Now, that is $625 in federal tax that you would have to be able to cover, assuming a 25% tax bracket. The basis is used to calculate your gain loss on the sale of the stock is the price that you paid plus the amount of the discount. Since you paid the tax on the discount you received, presumably how long you hold the stock will determine if it's short or long-term gains and the corresponding tax treatment. If you hold it for over a year and then move it to Vanguard for the more favorable long-term rate treatment, assuming you can handle the risk associated with holding an individual individual stock that long. Paying the tax on the discount isn't a reason not to proceed with this, as 75% of the free money is way better than no free money, and the same logic applies to having a short-term gain versus a long-term if you can't hold it for that long. But it does require to be more thoroughly thought out so one completely understands what one is getting into. Keep up the good work. Olaf, thank you. You're exactly right. I would say that we were able to present it 90% of what we needed to get out there, and I think you rounded that out really well, and I feel much better about that conversation with this addendum put on it. And yeah, the 75% of the free money is, I, I love that point because I, I think a lot of people get lost in taxation sometimes and they kind of miss the forest for the trees when people always focus on, oh, grumble, grumble, grumble. I have to pay 40% marginal to the, the federal government, but that still means you're getting the other 60% in your pocket. I, I always hear silly stuff like I need to have my mortgage so I can get a tax deduction. And for most people, and this is kind of going off the rails here a little bit, but, but I think it's important of just framing a conversation where most people say, I'm going to pay $1 in interest to get 15 percent or 20 percent back in benefit just to avoid paying taxes. So that's a completely separate conversation, obviously. But I think it's important to not let the tax decision keep you from making a smart overall financial decision. So, yeah, I, I definitely appreciated that point significantly. I love that. And I even have a better way of putting it. That's not mine. This is from Chris, who has a blog over at Keep Thrifty. And he said, the mortgage deduction is like getting a 25% off sale on pants. You still have to pay the other 75%. That's awesome. That's really, really awesome. <laughs> That's, That's great. I loved it. So next in the show, we really love the idea of thought leaders in our space, in the FI space, contributing FI hacks that they get passionate about, something that they figured out that they think that you can take this week and go do something with it. So today, Noah from Money Metagame has one for you guys, and I'm excited to share it. You ready for this, Brad? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, Brad and Jonathan, this is Noah from Money Metagame, and I recently discovered a trick that the FI community might be interested in. For anyone that's currently paying off a mortgage, a portion of their monthly payment is probably going into an escrow account. This escrow account is managed by the mortgage company and typically takes care of paying both property taxes and homeowners insurance. Depending on who your mortgage company is, it may be possible to remove the escrow account and instead handle that money yourself. My own mortgage company required at least one year of on-time payments, less than 80% loan to value, and it couldn't be an FHA loan, but this may vary by mortgage company. After checking the requirements, Requesting to remove the escrow account from our mortgage was as simple as signing a piece of paper and emailing it to them. Aside from increasing the control of your finances by paying your own taxes and insurance, there's also a couple ways you might be able to profit from this whole process. The first is gaining interest on the money that would normally be in the escrow account. Some escrow accounts do pay interest, but most of them pay nothing at all. By instead putting that money in a 1% or higher savings account, you get to profit off the interest instead of the mortgage company. The second way you may be able to make money is by paying your property taxes and home insurance with a credit card. Once again, this will vary a bit depending on your local laws and insurance provider, but it may be possible to pay both of these without any kind of fee and profit via cash back or travel points, especially if you're able to put these expenses towards sign-up bonuses. If you happen to be paying more than one mortgage due to owning a rental property, it may be possible to scale this out even further. One of my favorite parts about the Choose FI podcast is the actionable advice. So here's a task for the day. If you're currently paying a mortgage, check if you're eligible to remove the escrow account from it. It may be possible to find this out on your mortgage provider's website, or you may have to call in. Then if you find out if you are eligible to remove it, crunch the numbers on how much interest you can gain on your average escrow account balance over the past year. Next, find out if you can make your property tax and insurance payments with a credit card and whether or not they charge a fee to do so. Finally, you have all the numbers you need and can look at the potential profit for removing your own escrow account and then decide whether or not it's worth the effort of doing so. My own numbers showed that we could potentially save hundreds of dollars every year for the life of our mortgage. Keep up the great work on the podcast and hopefully this tip will be able to help some of your listeners discover some free money. Cheers. Noah, thank you for the voicemail. That was awesome. I, I loved how well he knows our show and our audience because 
this is all about taking action, right? And you might do some research, find out that your mortgage company doesn't let you do this, or you might find out that they do allow you and maybe there's a fee to pay your property taxes or something. And then, you know, you can make the decision whether it's worth it or not. But there's a potential here to save hundreds of dollars. And like he said, if you can put these items on your credit card with no fee, that was the crucial point that he said, with no fee, then you could potentially get a sign-up bonus on a, a travel rewards credit card, which could potentially be worth $1,000 in quote-unquote free travel. So talk about doubling down on a huge win. And like we always talk about travel rewards, that's definitely a pillar of FI. And I know Noah's big time into, into the travel rewards world. And we have, as we've discussed many times, we have a really great intro podcast to that. So that's episode nine. And we also have an entire travel rewards section on our site uh, with a bunch of articles, our top recommended cards to get started with. And that's at choosefi.com forward slash travel. But just in summation, I wanted to say that this really is very timely for me because one of my frugal wins of the week is that I got introduced, and I think I mentioned this on a prior Friday roundup, but I got introduced by a buddy of mine, Blake, to this homeowner's insurance company that's here in Richmond called the Mutual Assurance Society of Virginia. And this company has been in existence, I think, since 1794, which is just bananas to me, but they charge a fraction of what a traditional for-profit homeowner's insurance company charges. So I am going to wind up saving somewhere in the vicinity of like 75% of my homeowner's insurance. So Jonathan, you actually need to look into this. Anybody in, in the Richmond area hearing this as, as well. And it's actually much easier if I pay it directly just because of the structure of this. So I actually had to take Noah's advice and, and I've got to give my mortgage company a call and, and figure out how I can do this. So yeah, it couldn't have come at a better time for me personally. I'm taking notes. I will be contacting them. It's on my to-do list. Nice. Hey, hey to-do list. <laughs> Very impressive. All right. All right. Choose if I sponsored by Todoist. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm absolutely going to I'm absolutely going to take action on that. All right guys, for this next segment, we want to just put a bow on the case with Paul. So there's just a couple final thoughts here. I wanted to share with you Paul's own plans for what he's going to do for his daughter for school. He's answering that question and then also come back and get his final thoughts on what we basically pieced together for him. So this is going to be part five of the Paul case study. This will just kind of wrap everything up and put it all together. And then at some point down the road, we'll maybe take all those segments out and put them in their individual in an individual audio file. That way, for those of you that very much wanted to follow that journey from beginning to end, you will be able to do that in one place. And that'll just be on the website, not on the podcast stream, not as an episode. Without delaying anymore, let's go ahead and listen to Paul's feedback on what he plans to do for his daughter's education. You ready for this, Brad? Yeah, let's do it. Our plan for our daughter, the question was about, uh, is 43000 enough for college? We're planning to do some of the college hacking tips that I've heard on the show before, and uh, we're aiming for a combination of scholarships, dual enrollment classes, and CLEP and AP for my daughter to get as much of a head start as she can. She starts high school this fall, so it's a great time to look at this. And since we homeschool, we have the leeway to configure her curriculum to customize it towards college preparation. Our big goal for her, and hopefully she shares it as well, is to have an associate's degree by the time she graduates high school. So that way she's ready to go on in just two more years, she's got her bachelor's degree. Whatever she hasn't finished, she'll go to community college first to finish that before transferring to a local university. All of our schools are low that she would go to so she can live at home that'll help save some of the cost and she wants to go into nursing she really doesn't need a big ivy league or a private school pedigree so public in-state universities are probably our route to go for college how amazing Um, is that like this guy is firing on all cylinders and you know we didn't coordinate this like when we did that little highlight on nursing the other week that was not with this in mind and when we talked about these ideas for these different approaches to hack college that was not with paul's answers in mind He's just he's just rocking and rolling. And Paul, you have an entire community of people that are are invested in your daughter's success with this. We are genuinely excited that you're just taking these ideas and and she's implementing them. She is literally the protege right now of second generation fire. How cool is that, Brad? Yeah, it's awesome. And that's a great way to put it. The protege of second generation fire. Yeah, she's she's really rocking it on on every aspect. I, I love the living at home, the community college. I mean, the AP classes, it, it's just, it's hitting on every aspect of college hacking. So yeah, I mean, kudos to uh, Paul and and the whole family over there. Okay. So as a wrap up, you've heard us discussing Paul's case with all of the information that he provided us with. 
Paul has gotten a chance to actually listen to this feedback and figure out how he feels about it. What does he want to do with this information? Does he choose Phi? And uh, he sent us a quick voicemail and we want to share it with you guys. So hold on just a second for me. We'll pull this up. Wanted to check back in with you guys after the last couple of episodes that you've done on my case study. How awesome that was. Having the input from Big Earn to enlighten about how to treat Social Security in my scenario was really invaluable. Also, hearing you guys walk through my spreadsheet on the Friday Roundup was what well, was really good to hear. I think both those things put together really puts us in a comfortable situation where we're probably ready to pull the trigger at almost any time. I'd love to call you back and give you that call that shout out that scream i've chose fi and can't wait to get that done here real soon would like to do a follow-up with you guys if that's something that you want to do at some point i think it would be great to discuss this live if you're up for that i'm honored and humbled that i was able to be the first case study on your show i hope it gave you uh, a good framework for how you want to do these in the future and again i'm just uh, very grateful that had you guys uh, and big earn take a look at this from the outside and make sure that we really are on the right path and i've joined the facebook group as well too hopefully get some conversations going in there where i can interact with the rest of the folks but anyway just want to say thanks thanks much for all you've done here and all you continue to do for not only myself but for everybody who's seriously considering this journey of fi y'all have a good weekend and hope to talk soon yeah paul we really appreciate all your help i mean paul has just been an amazing sport with this it it frankly would have been a lot easier if we in theory, if we just had him on the show live, but it would not have allowed us the opportunity to really think through this, to bring Earn on, to just go as in-depth as we wanted to. So while I know it was annoying for Paul, I, I assume, to uh, send all these voicemails in and everything, man, he just, he was a really great sport and we could not have asked for a better first case study. So I know, I feel that Paul's in amazing shape here and I'm just, I'm just really impressed with the action they've taken. So, you know, just from from start to finish to Paul's Excel spreadsheet where he line on every single expense in his life. I mean, it was just really impressive. So I know Paul's going to be a, a huge success no matter what. So uh, I just you know wish him and his family all the best. And Paul, we absolutely would love to have you on the show. We're going to have you come back on a Friday roundup at some point in the future here. And we'll just kind of maybe talk about where you guys, after you've made that pivot, what things are looking like, what's surprising you. you know, those are the sorts of questions. Once you've made that decision, what does life look like post-fi? And what is exactly what you thought it would be? And what are the challenges that you're facing and where are you guys winning? That's a conversation that we would love to have with you as a follow-up. So thank you so much for sharing your life with us. I mean, it's not just us helping you. You are helping thousands of people that are finding themselves in that situation now or will find themselves in that situation within the next several years or maybe are looking to a future in which that is a reality and you modeled it for them and you shared it and and by you modeling it just the way that physician on fire in that episode said because of the things that JD Roth did when he went in the van and and basically went around the United States and coach Carson did and was able to live in Ecuador you modeling this for people is going to give them the confidence that they need to to make a similar decision you are becoming one of their five. And that's very powerful. And we just appreciate you sharing that with us on this show. And just as a kind of a quick follow-up, we wanted to let you know that Big Earn from early retirement now is just amazing. And he put so much effort into this and, and went into so much depth. And we were not able to share with y'all everything that he did just due to time and numbers on a show. But I wanted to let you know that Big Earn published an amazing Google Sheet that we will link to uh, where you can simulate your own safe withdrawal rate. And he went ahead and, and created two copies implementing Paul's exact situation. So in the first situation, it assumes that Paul bakes in social security into this whole scenario. So basically after 19 years, you assume that him and his wife can reduce their withdrawals by a certain amount because social security will be buffering that or acting as a cushion. And then he did a second scenario where he modeled it without social security. And that is extremely in depth. This particular spreadsheet adds all sorts of other cool stuff in like calculating failure rates for different Schiller Cape regimes. It's, it's very in-depth. It's extremely useful. And as you get into those spreadsheets, and I'm talking to our audience, as you really get a chance to explore those and apply your own information to it, I really encourage you to actually reach out either by posting your questions or comments on our blog or going on to Big Earn's blog at Early Retirement Now. 
Uh, he loves answering your questions. He's very involved and he's very quick to respond. So if you have a question about how it works, I think it benefits all of us for you to go ahead and, and send him your feedback, send him your questions, and let's turn this complex math, hopefully into a conversation that benefits all of us. So Big Earn is, is an integral part of his team and he adds a level of depth that Brad and myself just frankly wouldn't be able to bring on our own. So we're incredibly grateful for him for really adding that validity to this case study. Yeah, one of Jonathan's favorite terms in life is next level. I, I hear this all the time and I just love it. And earn is truly next level. I mean, and that's not to, to denigrate Jonathan and I at all. It's, you know, no one is on the level of earn. I mean, he is he is the guy and just the fact that he's here helping this podcast out, helping the community out and spending just an unbelievable amount of time. And you wouldn't believe the emails that I get from him. This, it, it's just amazing. So a huge thank you again to Ern for, for all the assistance. All right, guys. So this last segment, what we want to do is just take a few minutes and highlight some of the frugal wins of the week from our community. And, and these are ones from our Facebook group. And we love just spending a few minutes to talk about these. You know, frugal wins are things that we get excited about. We're living vicariously through you. In many cases, we're taking your ideas and we're incorporating them in our own lives. And so just taking just a couple minutes just to highlight a few of these uh, really, I think, adds value to my life and hopefully to y'all's as well. Brad, you ready to go ahead and give a shout out to a few of those? Yeah, you bet. So we have uh, Chris freezing bananas. I put them into pancakes, but kept throwing them away when they go bad. Now I freeze them at the perfect time and can use them for months. Very excited about this genius idea. So, and then we had a couple of people actually follow up that that they love doing that as well. Yeah, and I love what Gabby said. Freezing fruit is a great way not to pay the grocery store to throw out their food for them. I love that. Gwen from Fiery Millennials said, I brought my lunch to work every single day last week. And we had a bunch of people chime in about something called the Instant Pot. I know uh, Jack said his wife loves the Instant Pot, an electric pressure cooker. Jonathan, do you know Do you know anything about that? I know you're kind of into some of these gadgets. You know, actually, I don't. Uh, and, and you're right. I'm a gadget guy way more than you. You despise gadgets. I'm all about them. But this particular one really hasn't been on my radar. But people were raving about this. And apparently, it's some sort of steam pressure cooker. And so it does what your little egg thing does. But on top of that, it has all these other features added in as well. And I know someone was talking about how they actually cook chicken breast with it. I guess there's just a ton of features. So I, it's something that I'll definitely look into. I don't know a whole lot about it. My favorite one was Noli who says landscaping utilized Home Depot's Memorial Day sale to get 60 bags of mulch and spent all day Sunday weeding and mulching. Save $400 by not using a landscaping company all while getting some sun and some exercise. My wife has been demanding that I go ahead and start do the mulching. I mean, I've been holding, been stalling, been stalling, been stalling. But Noli, I think I can even help you out even more. If you're going to get 60 bags of mulch, you might want to look into seeing what it would cost to actually get a truck because it's a fraction of the cost even when they're on sale uh, it's a fraction of the cost just to have a, a like a dump truck brought in. I found that a couple of years back and uh, really definitely something to look in for. You might be able to save $450 maybe next time. So I'm going to try and take your frugal win and I'm going to try to one up it. So hopefully that helps. Okay. And, and there's a really cool picture here in the Facebook group from Felissa who refurnished their patio furniture. Uh, she said it was still in good shape structurally, but was faded and worn by the sun and rain. $13 for new stain and $8 for a paintbrush and some elbow grease from sanding two chairs, a sofa and table. And I got to tell you, these tables and chairs, it just looks fantastic. It looks brand new, like something normal people would spend a thousand or $2,000 for. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's a huge win. Very cool, guys. Thanks for sharing and please continue to share. Uh, it is really invaluable and it's motivating sometimes when you're in this this on this path and maybe, you know, you're getting really close to the finish line, but close maybe five years away. It's important to stay motivated, to stay focused. And that's where the value is for, for talking, taking a couple minutes just to talk about these frugal wins. So your feedback, your ideas, uh, please email them to us at feedback at chooseify.com. And if you want go ahead and go to uh, chooseify.com slash Facebook. And you know, there'll be a simple opt-in form. Just put your name and email address in there. And then we will email you a link to join our Facebook group and you can join our community. So Brad, let's go ahead and take a couple minutes with that in mind and go ahead and read a couple iTunes reviews. You ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. So we have two winners this week. And the first winner is Brian. And Brian said, so thankful for Brad and Jonathan. Brad initially kickstarted my FI journey with his interview on the Mad Scientist podcast. Since I knew he was on the path to FI, Brad was the first person I trusted with travel rewards. 
And several trips later, his work has changed my life. While hunting for more Phi material, I stumbled upon Choose a Phi and was immediately hooked. The dynamic between Jonathan and Brad and the information they bring to the table is incredible. Because of them, my fiance is officially hooked on fire, even though I tried for months. At 24 years old, Choose a Phi is truly invaluable as we plan the road ahead. Thanks for helping us live with intentionality while embracing the good life. And yeah, that is just a great review from Brian. So thank you. All right. And for our last one, this was by Karen. And Karen says, I've been binge listening to Brad and Jonathan for about two weeks. I've already made changes to my finances and have more to implement as I move forward. No other podcast has offered me such useful info. Thank you for letting me tag along on your journey. And it is a journey. And it's one that we're so grateful that you are a part of and that you're benefiting from. Uh, As usual, every single week, the Friday Roundup, this is the place that we announce our weekly winners for the drawing of J.L. Collins' book, The Simple Path to Wealth. Uh, If you want to enter yourself in that drawing, uh, just write us, go to choosefi.com slash iTunes, and that'll give you very easy instructions on how to leave a written review. And once you do that, just take a screenshot of it and send it to us so we know that's yours. And we'll enter you in that drawing and we announce our winners every Friday. Yeah, so just send an email to feedback at choosefi.com. And you know, honestly, we have for a long time, we've said to send in a screenshot or a picture of, of your review. And you know, honestly, that's that's a pain in the butt. If you wanna send in your screen name, instead, we can match it up with your review that way. So we wanna make this as easy as possible. It's the best way that you can support this podcast is to leave leave a review, take one minute and leave a review. So a sincere thank you. We don't want to make it any more difficult. We want to get this book in your hands. So we appreciate the support and thank you. All right, my friends, the fire is spreading and we'll see you next time as we continue to go down the road less traveled. You've been listening to Choose FI Radio Podcast, where we help middle-class America build wealth one life hack at a time.